With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. VOC Nation Radio Network Wrestling with History. And uh, we are back here again, the three of us, the voice of choice, Bruce Ford, Killer Ken Resnick, and uh, for the second week in a row, Mr. Bill Apter, the legendary Bill Apter, famous for the Apter magazines, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, all kinds of stuff, well, formerly of OneWrestling.com. And uh, gentlemen, I don't know about you, but we're I'm excited about this video thing. It's really taken off. It has. And I by the way, because this is my second and welcome Killer Ken to it's so good to see you all lit up. You were complaining on Twitter about your lighting. Your no, lighting no, I wasn't here. complaining about it. I was saying a lot of people thought it said the darker it is, the better I look. <laughs> that was the crypt keeper. But no, no. I just uh, it's such a pleasure to be with both of you. But I want to thank all the people out there that made our first video foray on the VOC Nation uh, uh, YouTube channel like a booming success. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, now listen, I have to say there's there's people that do tens of thousands of hits every time they launch a video, but the VOC Nation video channel is fairly new or it's revived, right? It, it was uh, once before and now we're trying to revive it. And uh, we got that up on VOCNation.com right alongside the old One Wrestling channel, which Bill still uh, operates and adds videos to. But the first ever show, video cast of this show, did almost a thousand views in the first week. So we want to continue to see you go on there, subscribe and watch, because the more that you do that, the better chance that we have to monetize it. And that's how we continue to bring all of the fantastic programming. Ken Resnick just asked me for a race before we went on the air. And uh, I can't do it without your help. Well, actually, I, I, I asked him for a, a raise. And he said, you know what? You're right. I'll quadruple it. But then I realized nothing times four, still nothing. So <laughs> zero times zero is zero. Bill, Bill you, you know we got a lot of views on video because look at Bruce. Last week he was just in a Voc Nation t-shirt. Now a sweater, collared shirt, well-groomed. Yeah, look at, look at the difference a week made. Very By the way, 
both of you asked me about the Sopranos jacket. So let me get this out of the way real quickly. I get out of the I way. saw maybe a half of one episode. So this jacket, do you both remember? Uh, he's one of my favorite people and great guys died at a very young age, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, the wrestler, sure. So Brad Armstrong's wife, um, Lori, worked for HBO. And okay. one year at uh, holiday time, I got a package at my doorstep and she and it was an HBO show. And she sent me this and said, thank you for everything you've done for, for Brad. And this is the, uh, uh, the very cool jacket. There's a logo on the, let's see if you can see the logo on the back of this. Are you ready for everybody to get seasick here? I yeah, see probably, a great shot. No, of probably would have been better if I turned around. Hold on. What, what is he doing, Ken? Well, I was trying to show you the logo on the back of the jacket. But you know, if you get some extensions around that thing, Bill, you could you could no, be Hulk Hogan. Comb over till I die. That's it. <laughs> That's it. But it's a beautiful jacket. And and by the way, we're going to be talking in the second segment today about the Macho Man Randy Savage. Lots of people have asked us to cover uh, the time that Macho Man almost killed Bill, which we will talk about. A lot of people have asked over the weeks about Ken's experience with Randy Savage, and we touched on it a little bit. But we'll go into Macho Man a little bit deeper. Uh, we want to talk about Raw and AEW last week. Yep, I got my Randy Savage on my talk microphone. About after, all right. Okay. Hey, do it, Kenny. <laughs> I got the LJN version and the Hasbro version, by the way. Version, not virgin. Uh, by the way, right here. Oh, there she is. All right, during the first commercial, I'm going to grab Liz. Wait, wait in the car. <laughs> anyway. Hey, hey, Bruce, uh, don't, don't you wish you had both those still in their original packaging? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a whole bucket there that I wish I had in the original packaging. I'd be a, a, a multimillionaire. It's it's insane the way those things appreciate it. Actually, uh, for uh, Christmas, my wife bought me a used uh, LJN ring, which, again, oh, knew wow. thousands of dollars. But uh, I had to go out and get... Uh, uh, nylon rope to uh, redo the ropes. It was in a little bit of a rough shape, but rehabbed it. I'll I'll show everybody that uh, either later in the show or next week. We'll I have it. an original Lucha Libre ring. I really do. It's, can you see it? It's up on my wall over there. Uh, right next to the New Japan poster. So oh, I. I I oh, Tommy Hearns. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It, you can't tell that it's a ring. Uh, it is because it's Fuji on the top on the, of that. That's Tommy Hearns. There's photographs. I took. We no, also the figure. Did, you got a wrestling figure on the top of the ring. Is that Mr. Fuji? Oh, that's Mr. Fuji. Yes. Good yeah. eyesight. We'll See, do that. I, we'll we'll go on a tour one night after Sally for everybody. All right. Before we get into uh, talking about Raw uh, this past week and and Impact. Uh, because that's a new feature. We'll bring some of the current stuff to the show. Ken and I never like to do that, but Bill's more up on it than we are. And we'll we'll try to we'll try to at least uh, peruse what's going on. I just want to remind everybody, go to VOCNation.com, look at all of the fantastic programming cram, <laughs> programming that oh, we have programming that we have and some of our shows are live like in the room which records every tuesday night you can interact with former wcw star the maestro pro wrestling illustrated's brady hicks and their fantastic team you can call in every tuesday night and then we have a bunch of shows like this that are recorded and they drop once a week 
uh, Shelly Live, Shelly Martinez, who was Ariel in WWE, and Salinas in TNA. You got this show, Wrestling with History, with the legendary Bill Apter and the really legendary Ken Resnick, who Absolutely. has a raving fan club on Twitter. Uh, Maestro does uh, WCW Retro. You got Sassy Steffi, independent star with uh, Talk and Sass. She just had Thunder Rosa from AEW on. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Briscoe and Big Ace uh, generated lots of buzz for VOC Nation the last two weeks. Uh, he, he recently got engaged to Red Velvet from AEW. And uh, just this past week on Briscoe and Big Ace was the legendary WWE Hall of Famer, Jerry Briscoe. So Jerry Briscoe being one of the great junior heavyweight champions, but, and we'll discuss this way down the line if, you, if you'd like to, but his brother, Jack Briscoe, was actually responsible for me getting my locked-in, steady job with the wrestling magazines. Wow. Yeah. A wow. rare story. We're going to have to... We'll have to hear about that. Is that in the book, Bill? Because you wrote a book, a very it's famous book. Is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. Thank you. Right behind me. Over there. there you go. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at VOC Nation. You can interact that way. Or interact with this show if you want to leave your comments, questions. We'll try to read them on the air. At Resnick After VOC. All three of us. Resnick After VOC. You know, that brings up something that we didn't have planned or anything, but Ken, in all the years that you were with wrestling, um, and you know, people always would come up and ask me about is wrestling fixed on a non-joking matter. And I always protected the business. I always came up with something. What did you say? You've been, how many years have you been in the business? Uh, I started with the, in the AWA in 1983. So then you must have been asked that question by fans 150,000 times. So what did you say? Um, the, my kind of fallback or default was, I could say, if you watch wrestling, they say, well, of course. I said, how do you think if someone picks you up and throws you down, that can be fixed? Do, do you not see them land? And, and they would kind of look at me. And in most cases, they, they would realize I'm, that's the only answer I'm going to give. <clears throat> but I, I think I talked about this. I think we talked about it off air um, in, when George Herbert Walker Bush was vice president under Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I, got I got invited, Bush 41. Uh, I got invited to the Christmas ball at the White House. Um, the U.S. Senator here from Minnesota, Rudy Boschwitz, was instrumental in that. And he, when he introduced me to then Vice President Bush, told him who I was, what I did. Vice President Bush was a wrestling fan. Said, yeah. you know, I used to watch it uh, in Houston, asked me about Paul Bosch. And then he just volunteered. He said, you know, one of the biggest reasons that I, I, I just enjoy watching wrestling, to me, it's an escape. He said, because, and this is, you know, in the old days, he said, as soon as they come to the ring, you know immediately who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. He said, if only the world was that simple. And then even the vice president of the United States said, let me ask you, how much of that is real? And, you know, I'm going, I, I like you, always, always protected the business 
kayfabe, but I'm thinking, you know, all right, this is, I'm talking to the vice president of the United States yeah. inside the White House. Uh, you know, I can't lie. I don't want to. And I said, you know, Mr. Vice President, the best way to explain it, I think wrestling is an awful lot like politics. All is not exactly what it appears to be. And he just roared and said, you know, that might be the best answer to a question I've ever gotten. Great. And even the vice president kind of realized that's the best he's going to say. So he knows a great tap dance. But Stanley, Stanley Weston, my mentor, when I first met him and I first started going out to shows, I said, what if a fan or somebody comes over to me and asks wrestling fixed? And he he turned red and he said you go over to them you say absolutely not do you want to make something of it and they'll well, walk away you know uh when i first started in the awa did you tell him that you were five five one fifty no not at that point i was four nine at that point uh burn <laughs> many times would especially uh at house shows uh, the, the Civic Center, not so much on TV days, but oftentimes he would pull me aside and say, remember, you can't tell even your closest friends, you don't say a word. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the way it was. You know, it was like, you don't need to remind me, you know, in the kayfabe era, guys really protected the business. I never smartened my, I couldn't smart my father up when Mr. Weston told me that Bruno, something's going to happen at the garden uh, with the Koloff thing, have lots of film. My dad went with me and sat in the press section. I couldn't tell him. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, so, I mean, it, it was just one of it, it was almost treated like a national security secret. It's just something you didn't ever do. And whenever, you know, we talk about that today, I remember when Vince kind of, you know, exposed the business. He didn't want to have to, you know, pay the percentage to the athletic commissions on, on pay-per-views. I remember, you know, Bobby Heenan just said, that's it. The magic's dead. Bill, you remember Doc Diamond? Of course. So back, back when I was doing uh, the radio in Philadelphia, we did some stuff with Doc Diamond's uh, DWF. Well, I was going to ask, tell the people who don't know who he is. So he was a a former NWA era manager and he was a promoter locally in the Philadelphia area. And he had the DWF. He was kind of uh, the, the, uh, can I say the poor man's version of Larry Sharp's monster factory? But yeah, good, good. So, so anyway, we did some stuff, uh, just some, some promotional publicity stuff there. And um, they taught us uh, how to take bumps and how to just do the basics. Uh, we did like an eight-week crash crash course, my, my former co-hosts and I. And uh, it's just awful. And if you're not used to taking bumps, it's the most horrible thing that you've ever had to do. And when people ask me about wrestling, I say, when you're going to fall, you put your arm out and you break your fall, right? And it still hurts. So imagine that you fall, but instead of putting your arm out to break your fall, you don't. You instead fall down as hard as you possibly can. That's wrestling. And uh, sure, it might be predetermined, but it hurts uh, like anything else. Can I tell you the, can I eat up a little more time with this? Sure. So then I'm way. embellishing a story because this is, this is how uh, the title of my book eventually came about. 
But I was down in Marietta, Georgia one time, and this kid came over to me, and I got to do the, the voice here. And he said, Mister, I seen you taking pictures, and Mr. Wrestling number two and Abdullah was wrestling. And during that match, when you were taking pictures, Abdullah took a knife out and he cut two upside two's mask <laughs> and two started to bleed. So two went out to the audience and got a gun and he shot Abdullah's head off and Abdullah's head rolled into my lap. And the promoter, Mr. Barnett said, would you like to take the head home tonight and bury him at the cemetery tomorrow. So I took Abdullah's head home. His mama didn't, my mama didn't like that. We went to the cemetery the next day uh, to bury Abdullah. Everybody showed up except two, because two still hated Abdullah. And we buried Abdullah's head and then his body six feet under. I was there. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Was that fake? There's <laughs> always a question. I, Bill, I, I would say the odds might be really good that the night before this young man talked to you, he might he probably watched Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, the movie. I remember that. We're getting way, way down oh. the, this dark path. Let's get into, so uh, we're going to talk about Randy Savage today in the second segment. If we get some time, I want to get into, because, you know, Ken and I were on this quest through the 80s. We're in 1985, and I wanted to get into the buildup of the first WrestleMania. We may not get to it today. We try to keep these shows about an hour uh, for our sake and for yours. And uh, there's nice hat, Bill, if you're watching on video. If you're not watching on video, you got to do it. So uh, go to VOCNation.com, find the VOC Nation YouTube channel. Uh, you can find the way to get there right there and, and click on it. Subscribe and you can see all the antics that mostly Bill does. Uh, Ken and I are pretty boring. <laughs> Bill, Bill's like, uh, you got to see his background too. I mean, it's amazing. After Somebody that, called me the carrot top of pro wrestling. Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But um you know, I, I'm more excited to talk about Dynamite at, at some point, but Monday Night Raw uh, was up against college football. They have some COVID issues in the WWE right now. Uh, you got Drew McIntyre, who had tested positive and was not able to uh, really participate right in the show. Asymptomatic, thankfully. He came on and told everybody that, but... Um, underwhelming show uh, leading up to the Royal Rumble. We're getting into WrestleMania season. I don't know. Uh, I, just, it, it's tough for me uh, it, as a, as a was, wrestling fan. It, it, when I described it online, I said the show was rawful. <laughs> good. It's a very, very good character. And I'll tell you why. The, the first thing, let me tell you the, the thumbs up, was the Ric Flair and Lacey Evans storyline I love. It's bringing back Ric Flair as the dirtiest player in the game, even Ooh. at his age. But this whole thing with he and Lacey Evans is a lot of fun. It really is. I'm enjoying this. What Bill, I look, look, Bill, not, not to interrupt, but you know, I, I was mainly watching Alabama and Ohio State turned into to Raw when I could. Uh, DVR uh, the, the end of it and watched it, but. Did they do anything uh, Monday night to bring carry forward that storyline with Lacey? Oh yes, yeah. They oh, okay. it was Charlotte. It was Charlotte. It was Charlotte Flair against Lacey Evans, and uh, Charlotte lost when Ric Flair tripped his daughter out and held her foot while Lacey Evans pinned her. Yeah. Oh, uh, this past week or a week ago? Two days ago. 
Oh, okay. I did, then I, I didn't see that part. I saw it, you know, from. But yeah, we... no, it, it was great. And the, the, the flirtation is wonderful. But what, what got me about this is they built up because Drew McIntyre wasn't there. Randy Orton, who to me, like I said, is the most realistic bad guy ever in pro wrestling. Um, the toughest SOB in pro wrestling that since he got involved with the Alexa Bliss Bray Wyatt Fiend thing, I haven't been enjoying these things because I don't think he should be doing shtick at all. So now they build up this big match for the end of the night with Triple H accepting a fist fight, a taped fist match or whatever with Randy Orton. And they go through a few minutes of this and then Triple H goes and he gets the, his, uh, the sledgehammer and the lights go off and fire comes out of the sledgehammer. The place goes dark. Lights come on. There's Alexa Bliss, who goes, stands in the corner like this, then goes like this. If you're listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. If you're watching it, even better. Motion and then, boom, throws an old original chic fireball at Randy Orton. So now it could have ended right there. But instead, there was almost a minute to a minute and 15 seconds of Randy Orton on the mat, ah, 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 and you would think one of the broadcasters or someone would come up and throw a towel over his head or something, just moaning and groaning. It first of all, just to see Triple H involved in this, I was hoping that because he's more of a uh, executive, uh, well, an executive and an old school, old school. Wrestler, okay. that you know he wouldn't get involved in this kind of shtick, but. That made the show rawful for me. Bill, I, I've got I've got a, a couple of questions. I'm directing it to Bill because I know Bruce, you said you didn't see it. And I, I don't know the answer, but you're certainly more plugged in than I am. Do you think the original, you know, Triple H Randy Orton thing from you know this week's Raw will have been they had decided to do that previously? Or do you think they just came up with that in reaction to a lot of the criticism they got the way the legends were treated? Do you think no, no. that was I planned think over they, a week ago or they just came up with this this week? They kept rerunning the, the thing that he did with the legends. So I think um, the fact that uh, Drew McIntyre wasn't there and some of the other guys there, I think that brought Triple H back into the uh, performing sector here and that was a good idea with what they did until uh until the end but once again they showed the thing where he talked to rick flair in such a condescending oh it bothers me so much and you know i i know bruce and bill we we talked about it some last week and you know i mentioned how you know they brought goldberg out and they're doing this angle and and you know it's still you know right in the middle and boom the show cuts off just, you know, right in the middle. It's like we talked about the, the producers, the, the timing last week just seemed off. Yeah. And then this week, Bill, as you rightfully pointed out, you would have thought that was, as you said, the perfect way to end it. But it was like, was the timing off again? Because there was, there was a, you know, a minute, minute and a half of, of Randy just in the ring by himself. And all he could do was roll around, go my eyes, my eyes. It was no, like, I just, I wouldn't have ended it that way. I would have, uh, ended it with a, uh, a brawl with uh, Randy and uh, Triple H fighting all the way all over the 
Thunderdome. And then uh, we're all out of time. We'll be back yeah. next week on Monday Night Raw. Well, in yeah, the old days, you know, they, that, that's what they, they came up with, the Alexa Bliss and the, and, and the fire. But it was like, as bad as that was, it would have been better if she would have just thrown the fire at him. You know, it goes black and, and that's it. The, Actually, it would have been better had she thrown it at him. He ducked and Triple H got burned. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Well, yeah, but see, Triple H is the exact. So that's- I, I know that. I know that. But I'm talking from a rest. So I know we're doing wrestling with history. This is history from several days ago. <laughs> in, so- in the old days, they would have had people rushing down to right. help him out right away. Heal her face. It would have happened that way. And I don't know. It's just. Well, COVID. You don't want to go too close to him without he wasn't wearing a mask. He's burning. <laughs> it's, 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 no, it's, sorry. Sorry. It just... I did, did see a clip of the Ric Flair, Lacey, and Charlotte incident. And it's the second week in a row. And, and I know, Bill, you disagreed. And there's a lot of Ric Flair fans. And I get it. I understand if you have uh, the nostalgic love of Ric Flair, any of you out there. But. It just poor acting. I mean, it, it would look. Oh, I don't think it is rehearsed. Wasn't natural. No, no, I I don't think it is. I think she's trying to be that Southern belle that he likes so much because, you know, he's in his whole career has been based like indigenous to the South. Not so he her, could, him. He did. It's, it was t- terrible. He, his, his expressions. He just looked it, it was forced. It just wasn't natural. His face is bigger, so it doesn't look like him. you're stretching, Bill. I am. Let's go well, back. Let me, let, let me ask you, you know, talking about the, 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 the finished, uh, you know, Orton and, and Triple H. Once, uh, you know, the, the fire came out of the, the sledgehammer, and I was kind of going, why would they do that, which basically tips off they're going to use fire, but the lights go out for a second, and you know, there's Alexa in the ring. Whatever happened to Triple H, it was like he just was gone. Well, he, the fiend has probably captured him. Stay <laughs> Give me a break. All right, let's talk about something that I, I thought was good and something that I thought was conceivably believable, if that's a term I can use. Uh, something that suspended my dif- disbelief. Conceivably believable. Uh, I Great didn't watch... Podcast. I didn't watch the entire episode of AEW Dynamite. I normally don't. But this week I caught it and I caught the end and I know they've been doing this crossover thing with impact and um, Kenny Omega has been going back and forth, but at the very end of AEW dynamite, the good brothers came out with uh, the man that used to be called Cyrus. I don't know if that's still his name and uh, Kenny Omega and the young bucks and they all got together and they kind of reformed their stable. And the, the Bullet Club, the Bullet Club. Yeah, yeah. Sh- shame on me. It wasn't coming to the tip well, of my they, tongue. They did the they did the end of the two sweet. And yeah. here's what I thought. A lot of this this invasion angle has been done a lot of times. Even most recently, WWE they did Retribution, and it's not believable because you you know that all these people work at the same company, but this is two different promotions. You I could beat up have... the guys from Retribution. Really? What? Go ahead. I could beat up the guys from Retribution. <laughs> Yeah. But you have you have this this outside company legitimately coming in to invade kayfabe the uh, AEW TV show. And I thought that adds an element of realism. And, and I don't know, maybe some people think it's just too uh, hyped up um, 
fanfared indies working. No, I thought it was great. I thought it's great. It's very believable. And what I'm hoping down in the future here, and this is nothing I know or anything, but I'm hoping that the AEW focus would be not just for Impact, but maybe for some Ring of Honor guys to come in there. And maybe this becomes a whole explosion of, uh, of, of fair, NWA guys, because they already brought in uh, Thunder Rosa yep. from uh, NWA as well. VOC Nation uh, guest, Thunder Rosa. Go back yes, and check out yes, Talking Sass with Sassy Steffi. Don't miss absolutely, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, uh, I, I think this invasion angle for people who weren't around, the younger people who weren't around in the uh, NWO invasion days, and it's also great for Impact. People are seeing that Impact is a good non-shtick wrestling show. There's actually, they have wrestling matches on there. Some shtick, but mainly wrestling matches yeah. on there. It's giving them a new audience. And no, I like this uh, entire thing that they're doing here. Yeah, you don't know what to expect. What do you think, Killer Ken, brother? Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I didn't see it, but it was like, Wait a minute! Uh, factions invading. Geez, where where have I seen uh, that one before? But thinking about what what we were talking about in Raw, the thing that popped into my mind, you know, they've added you know so much, so many writers and talent. It was like if you look at the most recent Raw, it's like maybe they had a David Copperfield with fire coming out and magically materializing. Yeah, but keep in mind that this is going through two different networks that are not associated with yeah. each other at all so when you look at this you wonder how uh tnt is reacting to axs yeah running their guys and stuff you know i don't know what the deal is i'm trying to guest uh, investigative report and find out what the deal is here but this is great because there's no real relationship between the tv stations well it was like we talked about you know off air before we started uh, a couple years ago when I, I did uh, the short-lived, uh, you know, rebirth of, of Ring Warriors, uh, <clears throat> they worked out a deal with Impact and brought in Austin Aries. Yeah. Uh, and he defended the, you know, originally he was going to challenge for the Ring Warriors title. Then uh, the, they ended up having him defend the Impact title on, on Ring Warriors. And I know that, you know, surprised me. I, I mean, back in the day, that would never happen. No, you're and, right. Taboo. I, I, I'm wondering if maybe, you know, and, and now it, not saying that AEW is a smaller promotion, but I kind of hearken back, you know, to the Pro Wrestling USA when the other promotions agreed to, to work together to hopefully slow down Vince taking over the country. And I'm wondering if maybe with the money behind AEW, the, these other promotions are saying, you know, maybe if we do this and, and combine with AEW, we can kind of change the, the, the future of the business a little it's bit. perfect time for it because the, unfortunately, the ratings of uh, the uh, WWE shows are not where they should be. Although they're, they're still making a zillion dollars. Yeah. That's the bottom line. But in terms of TV people looking at what the ranking, what the ratings are, 
different story. I, I know uh, Bruce and I talked about it in previous shows. Bill, think back to the you know the the you know late eighties you know when there was AWA, WWF, and, and imagine where having one point eight million viewers is now being looked at. Boy, are they in trouble! Right, exactly right. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely correct, Ken. Yeah, I mean, if, if if somebody would have come to you in the mid eighties and said. You know, not a, a pay-per-view, just on regular TV, a promotion is going to have close to 2 million viewers on a show. You would have never believed it. No, not at all. Not and at here all. people are, you know, and the viewership and ratings have really gone down. But like you said, they still have 1.8 million viewers. Yeah. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see, Bruce, what the numbers are <laughs> when they were going up against, you know, Alabama, Ohio State for the national championship. About, it was about 1.7, I think 1.7, 1.8 million. Uh, just not, not it's, it's, it's uh, 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 what are you, just a minute fraction of the Monday yeah, Night Wars when they were doing seven. on the uh, little TV. Right, but I mean, put that in perspective, <laughs> up against the national championship college football game uh that many people in this you know year of covid never thought would happen they're up against the national championship live they still draw almost 1.8 million viewers and all people want to talk about is how bad the ratings are that's amazing no it's amazing to me that's the the same amount that we should be doing on uh youtube just a couple of weeks. That's all it's going to take. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to Wrestling With History. Subscribe to the VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you like to get your podcast. By the way, hot off the presses, yeah. VOC Nation is now a part of the Radio.com podcast family. So another place that you can get VOC Nation programming. That was one of the things, and, and we're up against a break, but real quick, guys. Guys, I've been uh, doing this for 11 years now, uh, and it's it's amazing. And there's been ups and downs. And uh, we were uh, probably one of the first podcasts uh, in the in the world to have 100,000 listeners. And if I only would have stayed with it back then. But anyway, uh, life takes its twists and turns. And here we are again, and just trying to rebuild this thing. I jumped back in with Brady a couple years ago, and the move to to uh, megaphone was significant and being part of that family to get the dynamically inserted ads. That was a big step, but this uh, move to radio.com where it amplifies our audience and amplifies the, uh, the potential for listeners uh, is amazing. And I thank uh, both of you guys for being on this journey and everybody else. That's part of the VOC nation. Yeah. Yeah. Big news. When when, uh, when I saw that, radio.com because i go there a lot to to listen to a lot of the uh, radio stations back from new york that i can't get a lot of the uh, country music stations that i like radio.com to me is you know a regular place to go to shop for what you want to listen to man oh man it's great news big news where i listen to uh, sports radio 94 wip philadelphia uh, so anyway, uh, big, big thing, and we'll continue to hopefully bring you 
Great programming here on VOC Nation. We'll take a quick great, quick, quick break. Uh, I can't yeah. talk today. By the way, I just want to remind you guys, make you feel old as we talk about the Monday Night Wars. If you were born when WCW died in 2001, you'd be 20 years old today. And oh, people that are under 20 never saw a live uh, Monday Night War. That's, that's how much time has passed. This is Wrestling With History Worldwide in the VOC Nation Radio Network. Hey, this is the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and you're listening to Worldwide on VOCNation.com, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Briscoe, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Wirt. Archived free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VOC Nation. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And me and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into like snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. VOC Nation Radio Network, wrestling with history. And guys, before we get back into it, I, I just want to get a cheap plug. Uh, I have another podcast, not part of VOC Nation, that I'm doing uh, exclusively presented by Telesystem called Next Generation Leadership. So I invite you to search for that on your favorite podcast app. It's myself and uh, Micah Rosales-Peterson, who's the channel strategy manager at Telesystem, bringing you the best minds of the business world, uh, talking about leadership. The Micah Peterson? The Micah Peterson. Oh, my God. I'm going to listen. She was actually Miss Panama USA 2011. That's why I, asked. I knew that. I knew that. So check it out uh, on uh, audio and video. That'll be up on YouTube. You just have to go to telesystem.us for the video. I, I don't think that's up yet, but the audio is on the app store. So uh, cheap plug. But uh, back here on Wrestling With History. And, you know, uh, I, I just got to ask yeah, you. Go ahead, Ken. We, we went to break. <clears throat> Bill, do you ever notice it's always the youngest guy that says, I want to bring this up, not wanting to make anybody feel old, but I'm going to now make you feel old. I was thinking about, I put it out on Twitter today, on the VOC Nation Twitter, Harry Callis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Harry Callis. Well, I know who he is just from the time that I lived in. uh, He's the Gordon Soley of baseball. Yeah, he was a Hall of Fame baseball announcer. He was also the voice of NFL films. So Ken, uh, you're a big football fan. There was John Facenda first, and then Harry Callis talked about the frozen tundra of Lambeau field. And, uh, 
Harry was the Phillies announcer from 1972, 71 or 72. No relation to Don Callis, by the way. No relation to Don Callis. He passed in 2009. And I, I put out on Twitter, and it just hit me, that there are teenage Phillies fans that have never heard Harry Callis call a game. And when I was growing up, I always wondered if I was a baseball fan or a Harry Callis fan. That's how much that Harry was synonymous with my my fandom. So uh, God bless Harry Callis. He's the reason that I'm, I'm doing this. I mean, I, uh, I'm, my love of broadcasting was because of Harry. My son's hero. You just reminded me. Hey, everybody, this is badass Billy Gunn, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Now, of course, if you're not down with that, I got two words for you. Suck it. I've got a couple good pieces of memorabilia, and when I, I totally forgot about them. I've got them stashed away. I've actually got two uh, vinyl uh, LPs of the soundtracks from NFL films. Wow. Nice. And I... I had forgotten about it for years and years. Some nights, you know, you just don't feel like doing anything. And sometimes I just open, you know, a bottle of wine, pour a glass of wine and just, you know, not classical music, but I would put those on, you know, no verbiage, but just all the soundtracks from the different NFL films highlights. And it's great. You know what I found? I found, and I have this, uh, I got it converted and it's all silent, all of it. Uh, Back in the, 63 1964 when my dad and I used to go to Madison Square Garden and sit in the balcony I have eight millimeter short clips of Buddy Rogers Johnny Valentine Bruno San Martino Baba the Giant uh, and I'm going to be doing my one-man show online probably February or March with an invited 20 people audience per week and I'm going to show those on there we're talking about soundtrack this is a uh, video track no sound now i gotta say this uh because we've been teasing or uh not teasing but toying around with this uh let us know if you're out there and you have some interest in some of bill's old never before seen clips we're thinking about putting them up on a patreon so oh you're talking about my audio your uh, audio audio interviews yes yeah so if you're interested in that and there's value uh it would be a very low price uh to to get you to subscribe and listen we don't want to give it away for free so let us know tweet us at voc nation or send an email to bruce at vocnation.com and uh and we'll we'll think about it we'll see now, there's happens. one up right now on uh, the voc for free uh, for free with the grand wizard talking about don leo jonathan and against pedro morales and then pedro chimes in yes. i am ready for any kind of action baby Anyway, <laughs> it's under the after chat heading. So if you go to VOC Nation, the feed, uh, it, we make it very easy. The show title's always first. So look for after chat and then uh, the, the headlines there. You'll see it. Check that out. By the way, before we get into Macho Man Randy Savage, if you're watching the video exclusively on YouTube for free, you, uh, you see my figure. Bill's got his uh, LJN version, Randy Savage figure, in a little bit better shape than my Randy Savage. He's got his Liz. My Liz still has her skirt. I got the Hasbro <laughs> version. And behind me, the WWF, the original LJN ring. I don't, um, I'm trying to get a good view uh, for the camera. There it now, is. You know what? With Vince when McMahon. Zach Ryder, when Zach Ryder showed interest in mine there, he thought that the WWF logo on there was not originally on that ring because do you know the one that I had, I got at the first WWE hall of WWF hall of fame 
They were okay. the table. They were the table settings. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And the logo was not on there. He, he wasn't sure. He thought I might have put a sticker on it, but no, it was that well, logo. Yeah. It is a yeah. sticker, but there's a groove in the ring for the stickers. So I know there was a version before that that was um i don't know if it was a wwf produced toy but there is a ring uh that that's a wrestling ring and i th i think the wwf was affiliated with it and it was it was very generic so uh watch that riders podcast if you want to know about toys yeah, great, he is great the toy king let's get into randy savage gang Ooh, randy yeah. macho man savage uh, this is a topic that uh, everybody seems to ask us about, especially because you guys had to to deal with his uh, colorful personality. Born November 15th, 1952, died tragically May the 20th, 2011. And Bill, I don't know if you remember this, when Macho Man Randy Savage died, you, me, and uh, my former radio co-hosts were on a plane heading to California to do big time wrestling wrestle fest. And the cool thing about that experience for me as a fan was it was my first time being a part of the media where I was able to go and talk to, I mean, I was, uh, he talked about being a Mark. I got to talk to uh, Red Hart and, and honky tonk man and all these people about their opinion of Randy. And my point is they, they would say everything on the camera, very nice, very polite, you know, cherished memories. And then the minute you, you, you press stop, you're like, Oh, what an asshole, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, sorry for my language. We're clean on iTunes. No, no, but, but I, I remember us doing that night yeah. on one wrestling video.com. You can actually, find the uh, video of me talking to uh, both Honky Tonk Man and Brett the Hitman Hart about uh, the death of Randy Savage. Yeah. But but Bill and Ken, my what I want to go, where I want to go is, they said all these nice things about Randy on the camera. Off the camera, uh, lots of stories that, I won't repeat the stories because I don't, I, you know, I, I, uh, I've I'm, I survived in this uh, in this industry. Not that I'm I'm uh, of notoriety in any way, but I've survived because I haven't broken any confidence or trust. And I, I would say that people weren't necessarily in love with the Macho Man Randy Savage. So take us behind the scenes. Tell us uh, your view of Randy, your interactions with Randy, and uh, the the way the boys treated Randy. I want to ask Ken first because Bill, you have a story I want to save. Uh, it's kind of our main event tonight. But Ken, give us a sense when you worked in the WWF of Randy Savage. Um, you know, Randy was kind of you know. It, a lot of the guys, we would do interviews. A lot of the guys would just hang out in the room. Randy wasn't not, like... Not Brady's show, right? Pardon? Not Brady's show. No, no, room. not Brady's show at all. Well, you know, we would be, you in know, room, in the room, that. so it was quiet wherever you do the interviews. And a lot of times, you know, if guys had one or two, they would, you know, they would hang around, just watch the interviews, you know, between talk to the other guys. Randy would always, when it was time for his, you know, they they would go get him uh he would do his interviews and 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 leave he didn't have a great deal of, of interaction um you know when i was first introduced to him you know he was fine nice to meet you you know welcome you know da da da, -da. <clears throat> uh he was a big enough star when i first started doing interviews i would basically 
set the stage, bring him in and, and let him go. You know, we had a big countdown clock. He was good behind the mic. When it would get down close to zero, he would walk off, you know, whatever I'd pay it off. And that was it. Um, but again, remember he knew I was there trying to make him look as good as I could help him sell as many tickets for the show or get people to tune in. So I never, ever had any problems with him. Uh, I, I wasn't close, but I did notice as the months progressed when, you know, he got to know me a little bit, I got to know him a little bit. He would interact with me more during the interviews where sometimes, you know, he would pose a question, turn to me, he would answer it, but he would, you know, begin to involve me a little bit. So he wasn't someone that was, you know, I think he was very guarded um, in, in who he kind of brought into to his inner circle. Uh, the more I got to know him, you know, he was, he, he was great, never had any problems. But I can see where some of the guys, as you said, Bruce, off camera didn't have a, a, a lot of great things to say about him. But I will also say this. Randy was so dedicated to the, his matches, the business. Uh, Ricky Steamboat ha has talked about it, that before their match at, at their WrestleMania, that for weeks, Randy wanted to go through every spot, go over it and over it and over it. And I think part of the reason that he may not have been as well liked was because, you know, most guys back in those days, the psychology, they'd have a few, few high spots, but kind of pretty much work off each other, just kind of walk through and see where the match took them as opposed to false finishes or the, you know, the finish that, that, you know, would be, you know, talked about. And Randy wanted to work through every second, every minute of all his matches. And I think some of the guys got a little tired of that or didn't want to invest that much time into it. But, you know, personality aside, and Bill, you know, you certainly knew him in good times. We'll talk about not. But he was absolutely dedicated to the business and his matches and he wanted to be not as good as he could be. He wanted to be the best. Drop the mic. Now, now, and Bill, I'll, I'll tee you up with this. It almost sounds like Randy Savage was ahead of his time because that's what happens now. Everybody uh, does the, uh, the over-scripting or, or scripting of, of their match. But, but talk about that and then tell us, uh, you wrote about it in your book. There's a very famous incident that you had backstage in WCW. I, I did, but I, I want to set several records straight. Randy was a perfectionist. And it wasn't just about Randy Savage. It was about Randy Savage and his opponent. He wanted people to talk about uh, that match with he and Steamboat, which you so well talked about here, which was one of my favorite matches too. He was a perfectionist. People used to tell me he used to write things on his hand to look at during the match as to what comes next. So I met Randy uh, when he was a puppy in Memphis. Uh, and he was very... Oh, I couldn't wait to, you know, publicity and be in the magazines. And I met he and his brother, Lanny Poffo, and his dad, uh, uh, Randy, uh, not Randy, uh, 
Angelo. Angelo. I became, I knew each, knew them from traveling on the road. Um, I had a great relationship that went far beyond in a lot of ways. When the magazines were banned, for example, by WWF and Randy was one of their major stars, if Randy saw one of our photographers somewhere, uh, he'd give him a wink and he'd call him over in a corner or whatever and he'd let the guy take two or three pictures of him. You don't know where you got those, right? Okay, you know, take a walk. Tell Bill after I said hello, man. So I always got messages back to me, hey, tell after I said hello, during the days of the ban. And we, he and I would talk periodically. We'd see each other on the road or in an airport. So he was always, hey, Bill after, how you doing, man? And we talk. The things turned around, and this is the story, for um, <coughs> things turned around to get very uncomfortable. We, uh, I'd made a phone call to him. We were sitting in the editorial offices. He wasn't with us, uh, discussing a storyline when he uh, won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. What are we going to do th with this story? It's going to be a boring story. Just Randy Savage wins the title. Going to sell two magazines, maybe. Why don't we do this? One of the editors came up with an idea that some kid, as Randy Savage was coming down the, the, the railing there, some kid yells out, hey, old man, you can never be champion again. We all went, wow, that's great. So I said, I know Randy. I want to call him and make sure this is okay with him. So I told Randy what the headline would be, old man, the, uh, uh, the, the something or other that spurred Randy Savage to the world championship. Bill after you think it's going to be good? Yeah, go for it, man. So now magazine comes out and a couple of months later, I'm in Los Angeles at the Enoki Peace Festival. And Eric Bischoff comes into the hotel about one o'clock in the morning. And I just happen to be down at the desk talking with a bunch of people. And Bischoff, I said, hey, Eric, he says, listen, I'm really tired. He says, I hope you have a good time at the Enoki Festival. Don't take any pictures of any of my guys. And by the way, Randy Savage wants to kill you. That's remember, remember when, when we talked about this last week, I said, I didn't remember if you told me the story or Bischoff did. No, no, I, I told you the story. Eric doesn't remember a lot of this. <laughs> well, I, but I, I had the, um, so, so uh, in, in quick, quick aside, uh, when I, when we, when Hogan was doing Hogan and friends in Allentown at Ag, Ag Hall, mm -hmm. um, I through Jimmy Hart. Um, we got to do some of the press for that. And I picked up Eric Bischoff from the Philadelphia airport and I drove him to Allentown. And I said, you know, we do a lot of work with Bill Apter. And I swear I heard this same story from Bischoff's side, but I'm not he sure. You probably read it in my book. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, I love Eric. Eric and I, but I don't want to, that's a story for another right. show. Okay. Yeah. So now why does Randy Savage want to kill me? So now, um, I fly back the next day and I'm like, really? Because Randy Savage and Scott Steiner were two of the people you had to be concerned about because you never knew which Randy or Scott you were going to get when you see them. Randy was moody at times. So now we have a plaque made for Randy Savage. I have no idea what's coming. Come back of the year. WCW. Look at this guy left WWF. He was a broadcast. Goes to WCW, wins the title, right? So I'm in Baltimore 
And I keep hearing in my head that Randy Savage wants to kill me. I'm backstage in Baltimore in the dressing room area and Gary Juster lets me back there and the, the promoter. And uh, Randy starts, comes in from outside with Elizabeth um, and uh, Medusa and Nancy Benoit. And the girls are all making a fuss of, oh, Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill. And I, I look at Randy, just looks at me. He's got the cowboy hat on the whole bit. And I said, I have something for you. He says, what is it? I said, this beautiful plaque, come back of the year. Oh, let me see it. Holds the plaque up, looks at it, and he throws it against the wall as hard as he can. I don't need your effing award. I don't come back of the fuck. You you do you know what you did to me, you son of a beep. So all of a sudden, beep, Kevin so Sullivan, all of a sudden, Kevin Sullivan, who's running the show, hears this commotion, comes over to me. Savage looks at Kevin Sullivan, he says, You and you, meaning me. Over here, we're going to talk. So with Sullivan behind me, Randy takes us to a, in a small area, a doorway, like a bathroom doorway. And there's no way I can get out of this doorway now. And he had just been at my house probably two months before doing a videotape for my kids, telling them how nice his dad, daddy is and all this you son of a bleep. You know what you did? No, I don't. Shut up. He said, you know the contract that I have with Slim Jim? Yeah, they're going to drop my fucking contract because of you. What are you talking about? Old man, they don't want an old man representing them. You son of a... And he's, he's in my face, all red, and I could smell liquor on his breath as well. So Kevin Sullivan's standing there like, what's he going to do? Because uh, it looked like Randy was going to hit me. So I said, can I shut the hell? Every time I tried to explain, he says, I hate your family. I hate your goddamn kids. I, and you know what? I hate you, man. And you know what? You ruin my... And then he spits at me. Takes off. Kevin Sullivan says, it's drinking, whatever. Just forget about it. So now I find a payphone. I call my office and Stu Sachs or Peter King, whoever's the editor back then, I think it was Stu Sachs, said, he can't treat you like that. He said, you're going to go out and shoot his match tonight? I said, I don't know. It's going to be him against Flair. So stupidly, I go and shoot the match. Flair's managed by Nancy Benoit. Savage is in the ring. Five minutes into the match, I go out to shoot the matches Nancy, who I loved and she, we adored each other. She starts fiddling around with my hair that I had back then. Savage looks over, he looks at the referee and Flair and he says, time. Comes over to where Nancy and I am, tells Nancy to move out of the way and spits the biggest watt of spit into my face, worse than Vince McMahon and Bret Hart. Wow. Stop the match. I shot the rest of the match. Went in the back. Dave Gerhardt, who was the uh, uh, one of the uh, publicity people for our magazine, uh, said, he can't treat you like this. I said, yeah, you go, go and tell him. Mm -hmm. So now two or three days pass and 
Hulk Hogan calls me. He says, what the hell happened with you and Macho, man? And I told him, he says, what, what really happened? And I told him. So about two or three months later, I'm, I wasn't at any shows where Savage was. About two or three months later, I'm slated to go to Hogan's house in Florida and do a story on him. Before we go to his house, he says, I got a friend who wants to meet you. And he drive, drives to this old dilapidated gym. We walk in, there's one guy in the gym. His back is turned. Didn't know who it was. He says, hey, after's here, gets up with Randy Savage. And I figured Hogan did this to get me killed. This is it. I'm going to be, he's going to kick the shit out of me. Pardon my French. Randy comes over, puts his hand on me, gives me a hug. And he says, it was the demons, man. I am so sorry. I don't know what I, what happened. To me. I am so sorry, man. I apologize to you. You're my brother. I love you. I apologize to you, man. I said, forget it. Don't worry about it. And that was, that was the last time I saw him, actually. Talked to him a couple of times on the phone. Um, after that, uh, maybe a year before he passed away. But um, yeah, so that that's the Randy Savage story. It's a pretty s- scary story because I really thought he was going to do something to me. And I've never felt like that in my whole career. Wow. So nothing like leaving the show in an upbeat uh, okay. mood. But thanks to this guy for uh, working out and helping uh, make peace. And, and Lanny, uh, his brother, told me uh, after Andy died, he said he really loved you. He says he appreciates everything you did. And he really loves you. You know, he knows there was a bump in the road with that incident that happened, but he really loved you. And that made me feel really good. Wow. Uh, I, I think that's a good place to end it. I was going to ask a couple more questions, uh, but I think we'll We'll cover more of Randy Savage. I think there's some more to unpack. So let's carry that over to next week. We're over time today. We'll also hopefully get into the buildup of the first WrestleMania in 1985 next week. I was and at the press conference for that. You were at the press. And Ken I was there was, with Liberace and Billy Martin and Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Ken, you were still in the AWA back then. Yep. But I'm sure you were well aware of what was going on in New York. Yeah, Vern Gagne would not believe that this thing was going to happen or this thing's going to work. Nobody was going to knock off Vince McMahon before this took place. That was the rumor. Yeah, uh, again, we'll talk about next week, but Vern basically thought, you know, bringing in Mr. T and Cindy Lauper and all these entertainment types was just, to him, you know, he was... Vince was making a joke of the business to, in, to Vern. That was Vern's thinking. Sure. It's never going to work. And that's going to be the end of him. The, the, the a giant flop. This is great to talk about for the next show. I, I can't wait. Yeah. Going to be a great show. Make sure that you go and you subscribe to VOC nation on your favorite podcast app rate and review us on iTunes. Cause that helps bump our positioning. We're in the top 10% of podcast worldwide VOC nation radio network. The growth uh, continues, but uh, the money doesn't come in unless you subscribe and rate and review and get our, our, uh, our reviews up. And we got to get that YouTube channel. We got to get a thousand subscribers or send us a thousand dollar check. You know, well, I'll take that too. 
uh, 4,000 viewing hours. So view away. This will be up uh, probably by the weekend. These shows drop on Wednesday. So do all of that. And uh, lots of fabulous programming on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out all of it. And uh, that's it for this week. Great stories of the macho man, Randy Savage. You don't want to miss next week as we dive into some more. We talk about WrestleMania and uh, we cover some of your feedback as well. For the legendary 16-time Hall of Fame member, Bill Apter and Killer Ken Resnick, I'm the voice of choice, Bruce Wirt. We'll talk to you next week in Wrestling With History. Send us out, guys. See you eventually at the matches. Ken, you're supposed to give your 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 piece out. Oh, I did. Yeah, I heard Bill was, was such a great tagline. I thought <laughs> I could that. I just like go let it go out on Bill. Go for it, Ken. Give me it. Give me it. I'll splice it in. <clears throat> Whatever you do next week, don't you dare miss it. Right here is the future of wrestling.